What's up, world? Welcome back to Authentically Us, the podcast where we talk about what it means to be authentic in everything that you do in every space that you occupy. I'm one of the hosts here. I'm Conroy, and we got my main man with me, Tony. Say what's up to the people, man. I'm always here. I'm always ready because I stay ready. Let's get into it. Guys, as you can see, we don't have our mics hooked up to anything. We're holding them because no we got a real talk. Can. Real talk. We got a real talk today, and it's gonna get it's gonna get real and authentic. But before we jump in, shout out to MSW Media. Take a look at their platform. They have an amazing podcast there. Also, show us some love. Go to our link tree. You can send us an email. You can support us uh, financially, or you can just get us to a thousand followers on our socials or you can do a little bit of everything but let's jump in to the real talk today let's go so tony the morton Conrad the smith we got a podcast today and what i want to talk about is parenting now to be clear for our listeners i do not have a child but my friend that he knows of <laughs> I'm just <laughs> kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, that'd be wild. Can you imagine what the heck? Right. Um, but Tony does. And I wanted to have this conversation and discussion because I've been thinking about just kind of how we grew up. So this is gonna be a little bit about parenting, but also like uh manhood, I guess you can you can say. And one thing I was thinking about is the the concept of growing up as a black man, both of us not having our fathers in our life, like, and having to learn on the fly what it means to be a man, and not only a man, a black man, I th- I feel like has been something that I've been that I've been contemplating recently. Um, so I want to ask you, Tony, uh, in your opinion. What does it mean for you to be a man? Yeah, um, I think there's there's levels uh, to manhood. I think uh, manhood is complex. There's not like a one size fits all. But I think a key aspect or ingredient to being a man is taking responsibility for your action, not blame shifting, not blaming your past, but just owning up and saying, yo, I'm tripping, and that's my fault. I'm going to do better. And actually committing to being better and being a man of your word. Yeah, I I like that. I, I feel like when it comes to being a man, and we talked about this on an earlier podcast when we did a masculinity, but I guess what I'm what I'm sitting with is I think about certain aspects in my life that not having my dad in my life made a big difference when it comes to not how I treat women or friends or whatever but more of like cuz I feel like I grew, because because we grew up with women, right? We just automatically treat women with respect and and stuff like that. But it's more of like when things get heated. Like when, for me, it's like when I get in an argument with um, a teammate, a coworker, a friend, or a significant other, 
not having an example and not seeing an example of what it looks like to de-escalate a situation, how to mend a situation back together. I think that has played a detrimental role in my life because it's like, I feel like we're learning it on the fly. I'm learning it on the fly of when X happens, how do I not go to code red? You know, and 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 that's been... Something I've been contemplating. Um, Mike Todd just did a sermon on that, you know, men that mend and how men are built to mend things. And I've never heard that concept until he preached a sermon on it. Because all I, I remember, I remember this vividly when I was um, younger. I, might, I may have told this on the podcast before, but I remember one time my I was in a car, my dad picked me up. I don't know where we were going, but we stopped at uh, one of the taverns on uh, not King Street, but it's like a cross of King Street. The same street that um, behind my house, my, you know what I'm talking street. about? Not Main Street, the other side. So not that side, but the, you know what I'm talking about? The one that's behind the in between my house and Falling Springs on that same side and there's that like creek in the middle. Oh, yeah, yeah. What is that street? I have no idea. I have no clue. Anyways, so anyways, my um my dad was driving and we stopped at a bar right there and he wanted to go got he wanted to get like a six pack of beer or something. And I remember him coming out and like punching some guy and fighting and then getting in the car and then us driving off. And I was just like that's that's still stuck into my mind today. And I think it's hard for me when things get heated not to think like all right, well, things get heated, we fight. Like you, it, and, and like when I would lose games or like close games, it's hard not to go like to fight mode. And I think that's something that I've struggled with. Have you found yourself struggling with any missing pieces that you're learning on the fly that you missed from your father or just growing up? So I think the better question, what pieces did I have? Um, because you know like i i didn't know much about my dad growing up except he was charismatic in the life of the um and even to this day like my my dad and i have a good relationship but i don't know him um and so i think one thing because of how i grew up i want my son to know me um I want I want him to be able to know I know I messed up and I got no problem saying I'm sorry. Uh and being specific of this is why I'm sorry. Um and you know, he's three now. He's not going to fully understand, but at six or seven, he's gonna know, oh, my dad knows when he's wrong, and he'll say sorry. Uh, I want to normalize that behavior because it fosters a deal of vulnerability that shows, oh, I don't have to be perfect with my dad because he knows he's not perfect. Yeah, like emotion, teaching him emotional intelligence early. I feel like that that is what, I believe I'm lacking. Well, 
not not so much now, but for sure in high school, beginning years of college is emotional intelligence um, and emotional management. I guess I would have strong emotions towards things and I didn't know how to react to them. I It was very easy for me to act, to know how to feel when I'm happy. Very easy for me to know how to feel when I'm excited, when things are going well. Now, I think something that I'm still learning and trying to adjust is how do I feel when I'm hurt? How do I say, nah, man, Tony, what you said to me hurt me. How do I say that and like still feel secure? I guess that's kind of like where I'm, I'm, I'm learning. I feel like all, my, my example was the TV dads that we had, you know, like Uncle Phil. Yes. <laughs> You know, so everybody loves TV dad. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's the emotional intelligence, I think, is something that I believe is an example that all men need to see another man do. Because right. if we don't, it doesn't make sense. Because all I've ever seen was women share their feelings and hear their feelings. So. I'm not used to a man sharing it. Right. And like, I think we have this false belief about vulnerability. I think all of us, but especially men, that vulnerability will push people away. But in reality, if we are bold enough to be vulnerable, it actually draws people in because it gives them the freedom to be vulnerable and known. And because we're made for people, we gravitate towards that. But most people don't want to take that step because it's often not safe. Yeah. So let's let's jump into a little bit of parenting. So I want to know, Tony, what unique challenges do you think you have faced as a black father, if any, and how have they shaped the way you parent if they have and if you have any yeah that's a great question um i think the biggest thing that has shaped is like i'm very aware of other kids that my son plays with and connects with um now it's mainly other white children that he's like really close with but like it's cool to see that like when there are black kids on the playground he just gravitates towards them more than the other white kids and like it it can be a kid he just met on the playground but like he's acting like they've been friends for and Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not sure if he's probably not putting two to two together of, of like skin color, but I can definitely see he he's not as shy at first with um, kids of color. Oh wow, that's that's great. <laughs> yeah, right. But and the only reason I'm saying that is because I know where you live, <laughs> you know, and I Fact. and I know what our our hometown is like right so it's majority white and i mean i i remember when i was well i guess as as a kid right 
And that's what I love about the innocence of children is that it doesn't matter. It's like, hey, I want to play tag with you. Right. I don't care what you look like. Are you trying to play tag or not? Right. That's all they and care about. That's all they care about. And and that's what I that's what I love about the innocence of, of, of children. And at some point, there is a switch. And I love that you're noticing that now in Clay, because Clay is obviously fair as skin. I think, right. you know, as he gets older and grows more into his features and, you know, out in the sun more, his tan will definitely come through. Oh, it it already does. <laughs> like, <laughs> you see this man in summertime, you're like, oh, wow, you're dark. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. like, starts tanning end of April because at, at daycare, he's always outside and whatnot. So, yeah, but, and, like, when you bring up the fair skin aspect, um, that's, like, that's, like, a real battle inside of me, um, with him being fair skin. On one hand, I'm thankful, um, because he'll be safer. Um, he won't, he may not hear the N-word as early as you or I did. Uh, in school, and he might not be made fun of for the nigger features that we were made fun of. Um, but then there's also a part of me that, like, is sad that I feel okay with him being fair-skinned because it shouldn't be that way. Because I should rejoice whatever the skin tone of my son is because he's beautiful and created by God. But I think just living in America and knowing that skin tone could mean death or life, I'm I'm happy that my son can, in theory, <laughs> be a little safer. Mm -hmm. Another question I wanted to ask, and this is kind of going back to your childhood, was there ever a moment where maybe you were, you know, racially profiled or discriminated or blatant racist racist comments said towards you and you went back and, you know, told your mom or your dad about it um that you can remember and how how was that experience? Mm, yeah. So I mean, high school I in high school, I was just longing for a place to belong. Um, I would go with anyone that showed me any ounce of friendship. And so that led me for a good year and a half, two years, being surrounded by the agriculture. Well, <laughs> a, a lot of rednecks. And so they would often call me the N-word. Um, and like, I would just kind of accept it because I'm like, hey, at least I belong here. Like, it's just a word. Um, but when I would tell my mom, hey, this is happening at school, she, she would be like, ah, don't worry about it. That's not who you are. You got to let that roll off. Um, and so she didn't make a big deal. So I didn't and didn't realize that. That stung, but what are you willing to do at the cost of? 
belonging to a group. Um, and so that's a vivid memory for you. For me, what about for you? Like, how did that start playing out for you in our high school? High school? I don't know if I have any specific moments in high school. Um, our high school was very much kind of stereotypical in terms of like, if you were a great athlete, it didn't matter what color you were, they loved you. And that kind of was a story for me, right? I was, you know, good football player, our fastest guy at the school and stuff like that. So it was like, I never really faced that in high school that I could think of nothing vivid. Right. But I, I think about, I think I told this on a podcast early on where when I was growing up, um, we moved around a lot when I was with my mom. And one time we were living uh, in a trailer court. And I remember vividly, we it was across the street from South Hamilton Elementary. So kind of a little bit past where Marky used to live. And I remember I went to, went to get the mail. And this big truck drove past. I remember it had this big Confederate flag. And what's crazy is, that was just normal for us. Like to see the Confederate flag, it was just like, Confederate flag, American flag, Confederate flag, American flag. It was just like you could see it everywhere. And I went to get the I went to get the mail, and this truck drove past and said, "Go back to your home, Charlie Cole." So I went back home. I ran back home because I was like scared because they like it was a big truck. They stopped. I was small. Ran back home. I told my mom, and I told my my sisters and stuff, and. They kind of laughed at me and just kind of looked at me essentially like, hey, like this is life, like essentially like get used to it. And, you know, we still they still tease me about it to, to this day. Um, but that was a vivid moment, I remember, because then it was just like, well, how they responded was not OK, right. because it's it's not something I should get used to. Um yep. But what it taught me was that, like, whenever those situations happen is to acknowledge what has happened and to to say, hey, that's not OK. Um, I don't know what I would do if that was my child. I think I wouldn't have responded like my sisters and my mom did. But that's something I vividly remember to this day. Oh, there was another one. But that wasn't. Did I ever tell that story about that girl I was going on a date with? And and I had to go oh, across the railroad tracks. Yep, yep. Was that on the podcast, or I told you that separately? No, that was on the podcast. I'm gonna tell it again. So another one was sounds good. Um, and I'll t- I'll tell the full story because it it goes hand in hand. So um, for those of you that don't know, I I grew up half my life with my mom, who's black. She's amazing. Um, and then other half with my grandfather and my step grandma. My step grandma was white. So in high school, this is, comes to the high school, I was a f- sophomore, and I went on this date with this girl, and she was a senior, so I thought I was the man. First of all, I thought I was the man in high school anyway, so nobody could tell me right, nothing in high right. school. Thank you. Thank you. You still, still do a little I'm still bit. the man. Anyways, um, and I went on this date, and she was like, hey, let's go to my house. I said, say less. I couldn't drive. She could. So we were driving to her house, and. I remember we were going over these railroad tracks. She's like, okay, when we go over these railroad tracks, you have to put your seat back. I said, why? She goes, because my parents are leaving at the same time. If they see you, um, they will like turn around and say something. I'm like, oh, okay, like, sure. Like, they don't want a guy at their house. 
And she goes, no, it's because you're black. And I was like, wait, what? Completely killed the mood. We got to her house and I was just like dumbfounded. Like I was just nervous the whole time because I'm like, your parents right. can come home and like kill me. <laughs> right. Because where we live, they like to hunt. They like to hunt. So fast forward, um, her and I were talking for maybe a week and a half, maybe two weeks. And in high school times, that is eternity. I was in love, blah, blah, blah. We, we ended up breaking up. And I told my grandma about it. My grandma was white and she married a black man. So she had to deal with that too. And at that time, it wasn't obviously common, um, as common as it is now. And she was just like, uh, what did she say? She essentially was just like, my grandma acknowledged my feelings. Like, hey, I'm, I'm sorry that has happened to you. Um, but in our hometown, like, I've had to go through that as well. You know, marrying your grandfather who's black and, and just like, she knows people who just are like that. And it's crazy that there are people who are like that. And I just, like I said, as a parent, I don't know how I would handle that. Like, I would want to fight, to be honest. If, I, if, I'm, if I'm talking about, I would want to fight. Like, you're not going to do that right. to my... Right. Absolutely. And, and I think I think that ties back into how your family reacted when um, the the truck said, go back to your home, Charlie Cole. Like, you can either get angry or you can let that stuff roll off your back. Mm-hmm. Um, like, do do black black people want to get used to racist acts and um whatnot? Like, no. But like at some point, we just gotta be like, it is what it is. Because as James Baldwin says, to be a black man in America is to be in a constant state of rape. So. Uh, one more question I wanted to ask about parenting is I know you've mentioned multiple times of how, you know, you kind of struggle with this like identity crisis. Like, am I too black? Am I too white? You know, where do I fit in? How do you feel like that plays into uh, your parenting to, to clay or even like, it might not even be right now, but I'm sure you're thinking future. How does that play in? Yeah, I I think right now it doesn't really play in because, like, he just can't understand. But definitely, like, in the future, it's being intentional of saying, like, hey, you know, do you see the, the kids you're hanging out with? Do you realize that the majority of one skin color and the others are are different? And, like, having him acknowledge race and and being able to talk with him and say like hey people might see me and then you know call you the n-word or question am i your dad if you still look fair-skinned and like this is how to be solid in your identity and help him to also celebrate this is black culture and you are a part of that, regardless of the ratio of blackness you may have. How, how do you feel? 
I guess what I'm hearing, what I, when I hear you say that, first of all, I love that answer. I guess I would get nervous. Not, yeah, I guess I would get nervous about how can I let him. Ch- it's not like pick and choose, but like I don't want to force culture. But I guess it's not for it's not forcing, right? It's it's essentially just presenting, like, hey, right. this is also who you are because of your DNA. Mm-hmm. And like the that is my heartbeat. It's I want to make you aware of your full story. Like I I think I wanna go beyond race and ha- and embrace ethnicities. Like he is part German. I wanna be able to show him German food, African food, like because I think so often in our culture, we talk about race and we hardly ever go beyond to ethnicity. And ethnicity is a beautiful thing that adds so much to our stories that we never get to if I just say, oh, I'm biracial or um, I'm white or I'm black or I'm like, but getting into the details of, I'm from Senegal, West Africa, Germany, England, like, all these spots, it just op- opens up a whole new world. And that's what I, one thing I love about that I've been able to travel around the world. Um, and even when I watch, like, influencers that are from, like, the UK, and, like, you'll get, you know, five visibly black men on the episode or a show and they're all from different parts of Africa and that's what I love that I've got to travel I got to see ethnicities I got to see culture Uh, and that's one thing that's really cool about being in San Diego we get a lot of cultures and it's like oh I see that you are you know brown and it's like oh let's like where your where's your parents from and then get, being able to talk and dive into that and talk about food, like you said, and music. And what I love about what you said is essentially what I'm hearing is that you're presenting all aspects of who your son is and not telling him how he should think. But hey, right. this is who you are based on my DNA and your mother's DNA. This is for you to now dissect of how. And who you want to be. Right. And and earlier you said about picking and choosing. And like, I don't even want him to pick and choose who or what he is. Because it's all him. I, I think, especially being biracial. And I said this on another episode. Like, people think I... I get to pick and choose, am I white or am I black? And, like, I can, I can, in some sense, flow between spaces, but I also just want to be fully white and fully black. Because that's who I am. I don't have to pick sides. Because my body is all one. So, like, why are we, why are we making people choose sides? especially with the biracial, like, stop putting them in boxes. One thing uh, Gabe, he was on 
one of our earliest podcasts. Him and I talk episode a lot about like three. Yeah, episode like three. He, he one of him and I talk about how we have a superpower, like because of how we were raised, we have this superpower of uh, being able to talk to the soccer mom who has all white kids and also talk to my uncle who's been in jail four times in the same day because we have this superpower that we're able to talk to the businessman and also the drug dealer, you know, and like, what did he call it? It's such a code switching and code switching is a superpower because we just know how to blend in and I don't say blend in, but like be relatable, be presentable in all those aspects. And that's kind of what I love about how I was raised. I love that about you that like, you know, you're, you're able to do that too. And that's why we connect in so many different levels. So it is a superpower and I'm, I'm sure Clay's going to unlock his, whatever his looks like. Uh, And that's just kind of the beauty I think about being Brown, being black, being uh, embraced in your culture and, and embracing your ethnicity. So if you guys don't take anything yeah. else is to dive into your ethnicity, allow your culture to shape and formulate your thoughts, how you live life. And then as it comes to parenting, allow your child, especially if you have mixed kids, to um, formulate their thoughts, formulate who they are just by presenting them the full picture. Yep. Tony, what another great episode, man. We just we know how to do it, man. <laughs> Y'all, thanks for rocking with us. Um, if you guys have other topics you would like us to discuss to talk about, let us know. But until next time, y'all be authentic in everything that you do. Peace. Peace out.